Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry with me here today, as always, getting you uh, reviewed on week five. We'll look ahead to week six, and we're going to talk about the big controversy that once again engulfs the SEC for the second time in three weeks. The league's not happy with Lane Kiffin. This time it involves, once again, an Auburn game, which I think is coincidence. I think Chris agrees. I know a lot of people out there are doing the um, kind of the conspiracy thing, but, but officiating for the second time in three weeks is the conversation around the league. And it is a matter of time before officiating impacts a game that has championship ramifications. And when it does, well, they're going to have a world of problems. Bob, before we get to that, though, Chris, how are you? Neil, I'm doing well. Uh, We are uh, just uh, as I'm looking at it and trying to keep track, it's coming up week eight in college football. We've got a conference that hadn't started yet. We've got a conference that just got one game in it. We've got the SEC that's got a few. So, it's. Uh, I still say it's continuing to be a wheel, uh, a, a weird work in progress this season. But doing well. Um, yeah, lot to talk about, and uh, certainly some officiating stuff of things that I'd like to address from a big picture because I agree with you. Look, this, you know, it is fourth gradeish. Uh, oh, it's conspiracy, and it's this, and it's that. It's just, you know, it's um, grow up is what I say. Understand that. These are mistakes, and let's get to the fixing the mistakes and not distracting with the goofy stuff that is, oh, yeah, it's uh, the fix is in and this and that type of stupid stuff that really has no place, and it detracts from the real issues. Well, let's get into it then. Let's get into this. The game was the 11 a.m. game, Auburn and Ole Miss. I think both of us felt like it was going to be a very close game. I think you thought Ole Miss might pull this off. I Mm -hmm. I thought Auburn would win and cover, but I thought it would be really tight. The game kind of played out the way that I thought it would play. But when it ended, the conversation was not about Bo Nix making some plays. It was not about Ole Miss leaving some opportunities on the table. And all of those things happened. It was about a call. Ole Miss had just scored to go ahead 28-27 to 27 with 540 and some change to go in the game. And uh, Luke Logan, the Ole Miss kicker, kicked off. And the ball got to uh, Sean Shavers. Shivers, Shivers, I'm not sure how you say his name. Shivers, yeah. Um, got to him at around the 10-yard line. Kind of a uh, kind of a, a, a squibber, if you will. The ball hit the ground. It was passing by him. And live, Chris, 
I thought, ooh, that was close. He almost touched that. The ball rolls into the end zone, and you see two things. One, you see, and help me here with which one this is, side judge, line judge, whoever's down on the goal line, on, in this case on Auburn's sideline, down at the goal line, he comes running in, and he's making the gesture with his hand, the touchback gesture. And I would assume, and I'm told by people who were there, he was blowing his whistle. Mm-hmm. The official who was had his sort of his his back turned to the Ole Miss sideline, who's watching Shivers, initially does not appear to make a call. Shivers looks at him and appears to indicate, "I didn't touch it." And then shortly thereafter, and this is all happening very quickly, of course, the that official begins to move towards the goal line. And he's doing his touchback signal. Simultaneously, an Ole Miss player, I believe it was Tylen Knight, a reserve running back who um, Ole Miss is so decimated at at uh, defensive back right now that he was having to play starting snaps at safety on Saturday, which is another part of the Ole Miss story that that I think fans are just forgetting how difficult of a total rebuild Lane Kiffin has in front of him. And and frankly, it's a, it's a tribute to Kiffin that, that Ole Miss is in position at this point to play games like Auburn and Alabama and Florida the way that they have. That said, Knight lands on the ball. It's a clear recovery. And there's no review. Lane Kiffin says that he asked the uh, side judge, hey, do I need to challenge this? And the side judge said they they already looked at it. There's nothing there. Well, upon review, upon further review, which didn't happen, Auburn, to its credit, got out there, snapped the ball real quick, and got off the play. And, and <clears throat> we sort of moved forward. When you looked at the replay, at the replay closely, and you have to look really close. I mean, you've got to almost get Zapruder-like. You've got to get frame by frame. As you look really close, it appears that the ball hit, at the very least, Shiver's, I guess, left pinky. I think it probably hit his right hand also, and some people say that it hit his sock. I don't know. It appears that the ball probably, almost certainly, touched Shiver's. I don't know whether that would have been readily apparent on review, whether they would have had to really slow it down. It's my opinion, Chris, that what happened is this. This is two weeks removed from the screw-up in Auburn that cost Arkansas a win. And they blew the whistle, assuming that Bo Nix was going to spike the ball. Well, Bo Nix fumbled the snap, picked it up, and spiked it backwards, which, of course, is a fumble. But before anybody could clearly recover the football in Auburn that day, they had blown the whistle, which allowed a uh, allowed them to call it a, a roughing, not roughing, a, a um, intentional grounding, which is a spot of the foul penalty. Auburn comes out, kicks the field goal with thirty seconds or whatever left, and Auburn wins the game. When what should have happened is one of two things: Auburn was out of timeouts, so there should have either been a mad scramble for the ball, at which point Auburn recovers it ten yards behind where the ball was. And they've got to run the field goal kicker out there, and he tries a hurried kick. Maybe they maybe they get it off. Maybe they don't. Or Arkansas recovers the fumble, and the game's over, and the Hogs win. 
neither one of those things happened. It was a screw up, and the SEC comes out with a very mealy mouthed explanation for what happened. In Oxford, it's my opinion, they knew they'd screwed up, and they said, let's roll. Because if you launch into the re- review, launch into the replay, number one, you've got to, it's going to take five, six, seven minutes, maybe more. You've got to determine, did he touch it? And then once you determine that, yep, he, he touched it, okay, who blew the whistle and when? Was there a clear recovery? Would there have been a clear recovery? Did the blowing of the whistle stop action? There was a lot to get to. There was no way they were going to satisfy everyone involved. And so they just moved on, Chris. And uh, as it stood, Auburn ended up marching down the field. Bo Nix threw a touchdown pass to uh, eventually, not on that drive, actually Ole Miss forced, no, on that drive. Ole Miss had an opportunity at an interception. Kedron Smith dropped it. Auburn kept a drive alive. They ended up scoring a touchdown. Ole Miss got a subsequent possession, unable to pull it off. And um, you know the rest. Auburn wins 35-28, to 28, and the story is Lane Kiffin being upset at officiating. And on Monday on his uh, Zoom call with reporters, Lane Kiffin was was very angry. And he gets on social media. He got fined. He's having some fun with it. He's talking about how many pennies it would take to get $25,000 worth of pennies and, and that kind of thing. So I'm sure the league is irritated. Kiffin is irritated. Everyone is irritated. And once again, the replay system, the way it's set up, has failed. Well, first of all, uh, the mechanics of what took place on the field, the far side official is responsible for, obviously, as the ball goes in to to wave that. The the official facing Shivers has got to make the determination if it was touched or not. I mean, it's any official can can see it being touched, but obviously the first guy is not in position. Look, I, I don't, I don't think they missed anything on the field. I think it's, uh, it's just, it, it, it looked like it was very close. You can't call it when it's close or you think you can't because he reacted and ran to the end zone. Shivers it is. That, that doesn't mean that he touched it. That's a reactionable player. So, I, you know, on the field, it's difficult. The problem that I have is that it's the replay system that is flawed and has been flawed, and it is easily correctable. It is archaic, and with modern technology, it needs to be embraced. One day it's going to happen, but like anything, it goes at glacier speed, particularly so what in fit? college. What's the the fix? fix, the game needs to be moved upstairs, meaning there's constant community. There, the whole replay system, even if you replay it, didn't replay it, to go look at a five-inch box is stupid on the field. Okay? The way to make this game go faster and quicker, I mean, you know, quicker and more accurately, is to have the game up in the field, meaning – Every play's being looked at. Every play's being reviewed. And there's an instant push of a button that says, Neil, it wasn't touched. Neil, it was touched. This is, hold on. We're looking at this. It looks like it touched it. Boom. This is the case. Um, no, it wasn't interference. Whatever the case may be. But they have As that, the, don't they, Chris? No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's, so, it, it, it's got to stop it. 
you got to come on the side. You stop the game. It's got to be irrefutable. It's got to be. This is not a court of law where you need to have, you know, 12 jurors agree or whatever. This is, look, I can see it on a 32-inch high definition or whatever, the 4D, 5D monitor with all the technology, I can see what everybody in America sees. So I am going to immediately tell you not, Hey, on the field, you're wrong. You're not doing your job. We got to get out of that. It is not physically possible for these guys to see a lot of the things. The officiating needs to be a collaborative effort for the guys on the field to focus on things that you can't catch on camera and for the guys up in the booth that can see it on camera and not stop the game. But as you're moving from, and I realize we got fast pace, you know, offensive tempos, but you can have time to look at every play and see if something is egregious. And in this case, if I were Lane, I probably would have called a timeout to at least but he's you know but in fairness to kiffin see i thought that too and i was gonna write that but kiffin said that he asked the side judge hey are, are y'all gonna look at that or, or do i need to do i need to do i need to challenge it i, I, I would have done it to put him on the spot well you're right if, if there's you know, that's what i would have done if it's either, that yeah there's a couple of failures now and keep in mind now we didn't have long because i think auburn knew something was up because they rushed out to the field well, that's right. And, you know, and there's two, and things, right? there's two things. One, nobody in the replay booth said, hold up, we need to look at this. And somebody in the Ole Miss booth needed to say to Kiffin, hey, if you've got to run out on the field and act like a clown right now, now's the time because we think that touched him. Now, here, Well, here, and that's the thing. Yeah, you got to question, Chris. In that particular moment, the way the way that you understand the rules, because I'm 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 told that I don't I'm not understanding the rules correctly. That, let's say the ball is is determined that Shivers touched the ball and that the whistles blew before it was recovered. What the hell's the ruling at that point? Well, the, the first of all, the far official should not blow the whistle. He should wave that it's in the end zone because it goes in the end zone and that's his call. And it's he's got to communicate with the official that is facing Shivers to make the determination, did it touch or not? Uh, and I don't know, again, how that played out. And so if he said, no, it didn't touch, well, then you blow the whistle at that point. But, no, I, I, I think stopping the play, I, look, I, I, I think we rely too much on challenges, taking the timeout, which I just said, that's not a coach's job. There should not be challenges. There should, there should be – it's the officiating's job to get it right. And so I believe – that and I also don't believe in SEC officials and Big Ten officials and Pac-12 officials. I think that's stupid. There should be college football officials. I've been on a number of NFL committees that I believe we should be, you know, actively involved in paying a lot of money in training to where you put guys in a position to be trained properly, and a lot of them, it is a form system, but I do think you need to have that, um, and, and I think you need to have um, guys in a position that are trained properly, and, and I look, these guys do a really good job, you know, uh, the whole full-time official, I know that's been asked a bunch, um, 
you know, you're looking at, you know, like a guy says, don't believe in living in the Southeast. I don't give a damn where a guy lives. It doesn't matter. In fact, you probably don't want a guy from the Southeast recruiting in the, I mean, in the Southeastern game. You, you just, you just need to have officials, the best ones. And the whole, well, we're going to bring our officials. That's archaic. It's dumb. You need to have proper training. The pay needs to be better. And you need to move the game more in the booth. And that's where I think you can have the most experienced, best guys that are in the booth that can control the game. You can have the final say because you can see things that you can't see on the field. And modern technology is simple. It's an open mic where somebody can say, Okay, good. Yep. No, we're good. Everything's good. Clear. First and 10, 11 yard line going in. Boom. And they're hearing all that. And it's, they're not wasting time. Now it's stop the game. Let's go talk to the booth. Let's go talk to New York and in the NFL and Birmingham. No, no, no. That's, that's where the waste of time is. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, it, it, just have it to where it's being done professionally and communicated. So in this case, very simply, it's correctable. Everything should be correctable. And it's not, you got to be sure, Neil, but it doesn't have to be, you know, guy. And, you know, we got a guy who says you can't have financial planners. Those are the best officials. Guys, yeah, I, that I, are, you can't sit there. You have to, you need to, it's a chicken egg thing. You need to pay full time so that you can train full time. That's the most important part of it. If you made it a full time job, but you can't get rid of your best officials because they're a financial planner and because they're an attorney, you need to grandfather it out to where you get to where it's a full time job. That's exactly right. It used to be that football players, Roger Staubach, used to sell real estate in the offseason, too. And that's why you had training camp for 12 weeks. You know, you got to be able to have better training and and start it from the beginning. But no, that's that's how you have to do it. You and and you have to grow to it. And and the whole the, the importance of it financially is how you train, how you run the game, and you've got to do it from the booth where you have constant communication. The, the, in this case, it's very simple. Now I gotta tell you something. I looked at the coaching tape. I looked at the TV copy. I looked at everything. It took me a while to figure out, yeah, I think he did. I know. Is that enough? I know. Well, then you have to know. You have to have some evidence that it it did. It doesn't have to be 60%. It, it, it is or it isn't. It's interference or it's not. It's holding or it's not. It's a fumble or it's not. He touched it or he didn't. It's just, you know, it's the same judgment, but instead of on the field. Yeah, I think that replay was going to be I think that replay was going to be a very long, controversial replay. And they either one of two things happened. Okay. One of two things happened. Either they didn't see it, he looked at it live on whoever's in the replay booth. I guess this was back in Birmingham. Looked at it live one time and went, no, it didn't touch him. Move on. Or said, oh, shit, let's go, move on, because we're going to have ourselves a mess here. Because it would have taken, you have to, like I said, you really had to slow the tape to find it, to move a finger. Auburn's going to lose its mind if, yeah. if, you, if you overrule that. And if you call it a touchdown, now you've got to explain why you were blowing your whistle early. There was just a lot there. Yeah, and, and you know, other people say, look, and I look, I've been with there and I've, I've 
been in many arguments with Bill Poling about this in, in the late George Young, who I love, God rest his soul. We didn't start replay to change everything. No, we didn't, Bill and George. But we have to adjust for the modern age. Everybody sees it. It's totally transparent now. Everybody sees it in high def. So you can't hide from it and say, uh, yeah, boy, we got that wrong, but there's nothing we can do about it. Like, hell, you can't. Yeah, no, that's don't want to do about it. We're past that. So the point is, is take it to where to, let's throw out just throw, throw out replay. No, you don't throw out replay. You make it better. I mean, what if what if people said this cell phone sucks? It's as big as a suitcase and it doesn't work. Let's give it up. No, we wouldn't have iPhones today. Let's make the tech the technologies there that's make it better. But let's get out of this godforsaken. This guy is going to stop the game. The official is going to stop the game. Going to run over thirty five yards and going to look into a box of five inches, squint, and yeah, I can't see it. And listen to guy. Yeah, this is what we see. That's stupid. Quit yep. wasting that time. They're looking at it in the booth. And by the way, there should be a, a, a live crew in the booth and a live crew back at a facility at a home office that's all connected so that, you know, you got different minds. Now, guys, this is what we see. Look at angle five. Look at angle five. Okay. No, I got it. I got it. Piece it together. Boom. You got all of that. You'd be surprised how quickly you could come to an answer. And all you got to do is the official say, go ahead, mark it. It's 11 going in. The review says, not holding. The review says, fumble, wipe all, whatever. Boom, go in. We don't have to get into And then you, if you want to give it to the announcing crew, you know, the, the, the clarification, you don't need to waste time yeah. and you get it right. So should, I'm off my soapbox. I'm sorry. Should, should it have been a touchdown? Oh, uh, Penn State, Indiana. No, 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 no. The the Ole Miss Auburn game should that kickoff have been a touchdown? Ole Miss is well. I mean, in, in looking at it, uh, ninety nine times I do think it grazed them, and I do think it. Yeah, yeah, it, it probably should have been. Uh, and and then I think you look at it quick enough, you make that determination. It doesn't have to be. Oh man, I am. You have to. You have to know it. Um. Uh, 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 there again, I know we're talking about this, but the Penn State Indiana game, what was the thing? Well, and I knew this too. Whatever was called on the field, it was it was too close to overturn it. Well, the replay shows what it shows. It's close enough. Look, I was on the the right side or the 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 winning side of the Music City Miracle. I was on the Titan staff. And we knew kind of when that happened, and we're going to overturn that. The point is, is you should be able to overturn anything that you think is wrong. And and I and it's not stopping the play; it's making the judgment in the continuum. And if you got and you let the game go and flow, if you've got something that's really egregious, you buzz down and say, "Neil, Neil's the official." The white hat. Hold on. I know they're coming up. Hold on. Stand over the wall. We're looking at something. Boom. You tell me. Oh, wait, we're going to fade. Hey, stop. I said bleeping. Stop. We're looking at something. Boom. And it, But they're looking at it for another 15, 20 seconds, not five to eight minutes. You see where I'm going? I just think all of that 
is doable and we need to have it to where we have more uniformity where there is, I got to tell you, SEC officials blame, I'm going to tell you the worst, the worst of Pac-12 officials. And again, I don't want to label them. It's just, I don't know what it, but there should not be that. There should be college football officials, not run by the NCAA, but run, run by a officials associating. I also think, not going to, I mean, get off of this so we can move on. I think we should simonize some of the rules, college and pro, to, to you know, you'd see the one foot in or two feet in, but it should be, you know, a lot of things. But I do think that we can create a better officiating environment, make it more of an affordable thing. So a lot of ex-players maybe want to get into fishing because you can make really good money, have really good pensions. There should be that. They're an important team, an important part. But the replay, they should be there to administer with the with the the not just the help, but the final save from up in the booth because they can see it definitively. You can't on the field. I've been there. You can't. You're yep. going to miss it. And anybody that criticizes the fish, you're a moron because you don't know what it's like being on the field. It's like a spot. I do nothing but watch film all day. I'd be damned if I'm watching the game over and over again, and I still have to watch it from the checkerboard, the, the end zone, and and in in five or six times, yeah, I can get it. Well, no flipping joke. I mean, live, I couldn't. You yeah. know, yeah. it's common no, sense. I have, I have no problem with the official not getting it live. I, I wouldn't have gotten it live. Most people, ninety nine point nine percent of people, would not have gotten it live. Uh, the only people that that yeah, the, the the problem was that it didn't get replayed. It needed to get replayed. Yes, they, they needed to stop it and go. Hey, and we got Lane to- shouldn't have had to use a timeout. I said he should have. And there's that shouldn't be the case. That should be reviewed. And right. then, and if you inadvertently, if you blow the whistle, and it stopped it, that's what you train. You don't blow the whistle in situations where you're going to affect the flow of the game after the whistle because people stop. You don't do it. You don't blow the whistle if you think it was a pass and not a fumble. You let it go until you know for certain. And then you can fix it. Yes, you can fix it. Once you blow the whistle, then you make everybody else stop. And then at that point, you can't really do anything. That needs to be taught and understood. And so quit blowing the whistle. Yeah, to put a bow on it, to put a bow on it, and we'll move on. Yes. If you don't blow the whistle and you let Ole Miss recover the ball, then you review it because that would have led to a review because that would have been a scoring play, and all scoring plays are reviewed. That would have led to a review, and if you looked at it and you determined that the ball didn't hit Shivers, you say, hey, it didn't hit him. It's a touchback. Auburn's ball, first and 10, 25, let's go. One of the two. But what they did was create this deal where it's all that gets talked about, which the proof of it is that we're 26 minutes into this show and we haven't even talked about the football game that got played and the opportunities that were there for, for Ole Miss and the, what, what Bo Nix did and that kind of thing because the game gets the, – the, all the conversation is about a call and the league can't be happy that all of the conversation today is about yet another blown call. That's, and, that's- and, and, I, and I'm going to shut up, I promise, after this. But, you know, when you hear about full-time and you're paying money and pension and all that, so what they do – is when the football season's over, they get a little bit of a break. But they're going back to a central location where they are trained from a fitness standpoint. They have to pass physical tests, and they are constantly working games. So 
There's they're going to work every spring practice that they can around the country, teaching the rules to the players and coaches. They're going to officiate every spring game. If we get spring leagues, which, you know, I won't get in it, you know, you can do that. So there's a constant working and development of the crafts where they're making good money and they're doing it. So, you know, yes, but you can't, you can't get rid of the guys that are currently work because the best officials are the ones that do something else, because that's the way it's always been done. That needs to be changed. And anyway, I'm shut up. I'm all right. Hotter so than, hotter than this coffee. <laughs> Auburn, Auburn wins 35, 28. It was a, it was a very entertaining game it was a well-played game back and forth. Uh, neither team ever took any kind of a, of a, of a lead of any significance. Uh, it was 14, 14 at the half. Um, it was 21-21 after three. Auburn ends up winning late. Um, Nick's kind of makes a throw that Williams actually makes a great play and uh, turns it into a touchdown. Ole Miss had an opportunity. Kenny Yaboa dropped a ball uh, at yep. about the yard line that would have given Ole Miss a, a, a one-play shot there in the final seconds. And Lane Kiffin said if they'd scored, they would have gone for two. So I guess we we all sort of got a, got cheated out of what would have really been a fun finish. But uh, an entertaining football game between two teams that um, weren't separated by much. Yeah, and and by the way, I I don't I I take a I I feel bad for Auburn. I mean, it's not Auburn's fault. I mean, it's just they did you know they played and they got the benefit. Hey, football, you know you get the benefit. Um, it just it happens, and but you got to correct that. I, I you know I thought Auburn got some things going offensively. Still got still a work in progress. You still see uh, Ole Miss. I, I, you know, early I thought there were opportunities, and again, I'm not one to say. You know, you, look, as a coach, you always say, Neil, um, guys, you take care of your business because we never know when there's going to be a bad call, and we can't control that. You still need to, as a coach, try to fight for your team. But you know, there were both these teams had opportunities. I thought there was, you know, still some issues for Ole Miss. They're not as short. Maybe it is unrealistic to expect the Alabama performance every week out of Ole Miss's offense, um, but that is the key. If they're not lighting it up, they're in danger every game. And I thought that they, you know, um, you know, you know, at times play good situational defense, but it is an issue. It is, it is definitely an issue, and it's going to be a problem. So, um, no, it was definitely the storyline, and um, heck, uh, I, th- I thought it merited a lot of time, maybe, maybe too much, but it was the story of the week, no question about it. Uh, but both of these teams, Auburn, I'm still concerned about them, and I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about Ole Miss. I think you know how they, you know how they respond and how they deal with this. This will challenge you, and uh, and certainly I understand uh, Lane's response, but at some point, you know he's got to move on because his team will want to respond, and you don't want to plant the seed that. Oh, we were screwed. All oh, woe is us. You know, come back and let's have the best week of practice. Let's get ready. Let's get going. Um, let's move on and finish the season well and do what we need to do because that's all you can do at this point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, let's get into some of the other ones because there were some other games, other stories that are interesting. Alabama wins over Tennessee, forty-eight to seventeen. They lose. Uh, they lose the wide receiver. Yeah for the year on a, on a broken ankle early in, in the game. Uh, Alabama, Mac Jones looks the part, man. 25 of 31, 387. Najee Harris, uh, 20 carries, 96 yards. Uh, Tennessee just continues to sort of be anemic on the offensive side of the ball. Alabama 
covers the line easily. Alabama undefeated, number two in the country, and appear to be headed for yet another playoff spot. They're they are right now the class of the of the SEC, and it's not particularly close. Um, Tennessee now two and three, Chris, and they don't look particularly good doing it. No, they don't. And look, there's some there's some issues with attitude. There's some issues with, um, you know, I, I would say some level of dysfunction, some level, uh, level of disorganization. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I've studied it and looked at it and spent a lot of time kind of reviewing and reviewing notes and things that the, the one thing that I think that's really hurt Jeremy and I've mentioned this before. And, I think it's the one thing being successful as a coach um, that doesn't get talked about enough, and that is your ability to hire on your coaching staff. And I think that what we have seen with Jeremy, that's been something he's been flawed with. I've mentioned this a few times. I'm mentioning it again for emphasis because I, I just – you don't know when you make a decision like – you know, you, you hire Jimmy Brumbaugh and you make this move now. Okay, there's some issues. There, there are times where it's justified, but we've had that a few times, not quite to this, you know, nature, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of cohesiveness about what they're wanting to do, what their identity is. Their defense is flawed. Their defense is on the field too much. They don't have really answers on offense. They've not really progressed. And, you know, on top of that, um, remind everybody that, Jeremy got an extension. At some point, when is Philip Fulmer going to get held accountable for some of the moves that he makes? Um, you know, they got a bye week. And I will say that in some respects, going on the road to Arkansas may be the biggest game for Jeremy Pruitt. And I don't mean like his, the job this year, whatever. But you go on the road and you get beat by a first-year head coach and you're in your third year, it's just the optics are really bad. And just what I said about hiring well on the staff is what Arkansas has done. And it's the flavor of the month, right? Jeremy figured it all out last year because it's overreaction. Yet they turn around and there are not many wins. They've got A&M, Auburn's winnable, Vanderbilt will be a win. But Arkansas, A&M, Florida – are, you know, I mean, Arkansas, it's a potential win. AM, Florida, probably not wins. I mean, this is this is gonna be difficult, um, difficult stretch. And they're looking at a bad season. Um, and if they finish a little bit better, that could put a little bit of a you know happy face on it. But the reality is, is things are not going good. And it's not and I and I think that Jeremy's starting to feel it. Um I understand his comments to some degree. Your final score is not necessarily indicative of how much better you're getting or, you know, because a lot of times you won the game, but you didn't really play well and you didn't do a good job, but you won by a decisive margin. Other times you get blown out, but you did some good things. It just wasn't a really good look when he said the gap is closing between us and Alabama. It's, it's really the talent level is still playing a lot of guys that he inherited. They've got some good young players, but I don't know that it is that I would say that the gap has closed a whole lot, if at all. I don't think, and I don't think that that was a really the right comment. But see, that goes with Jeremy. Jeremy's not real polished, 
and I think having a hard time dealing with head coaching issues, something that he's really struggled with. And if he doesn't figure that out, this is not going to work for Jeremy. He has got to learn that, and he's got to learn it quickly. And everybody says, I don't get it. He worked for Nick Saban. He did this. Guys, because you work for Nick Saban and you work for Bill Belichick, because you learn from them, doesn't mean you have the skill set to do what they do because you can take what you've learned, but football is situational, administrative, organizationally, schematically, personnel-driven. The ability to be able to learn. What's the old saying? I can give somebody fish for a day or I can teach them how to fish and he can feed himself for a lifetime. The, the ability to think through issues and deal with situations is the key. And those are the ones that are successful as head coaches. You can't learn. You can learn, but you have to learn how to do the work yourself. It's like anything else. You mean, learn how to do the problem, not what the a, answer to the math question is. You're either a leader or you're not. I, yeah, can't, I, I can't teach you how to lead. I can't teach you how to write. You can go to all the writing schools in the world. And if you don't, if you don't have a natural ability to write, you'll never write. If you're not a natural leader, you're never going to be a great leader. If you, if you're not a, a natural multitasker, you're never going to be great at it. I believe that firmly. And I think you're starting to see some of the difference. People talk about Saban. Saban is an efficient machine. There aren't many people that are like Nick Saban. Not in any realm, not just football, in any realm. There aren't many people who are as driven and efficient and calculated as he is. He doesn't waste minutes in his day. Yeah. Look, he, he could go it, into the corporate world say, yeah. at, at age 35, and he would be an incredibly effective CEO. He could have gone into politics and been one of the people who would be able to work across both sides of the aisle and, and be a, 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 a absolute force in legislative sessions and that type thing. I mean, that's just who he is. I'm not sure that's who Pruitt is. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be a really eclectic thinker. And Nick always choked. He always used to tell me, you know, you do stuff, he'd say, not bad for a PE major, huh? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and he used he used to throw some salty language in there too because nick's got a little old west virginia you know like i yeah i'm not I, i'm not well but he learned he learned a lot um and what he does is people think of him as a stubborn guy is the op the opposite of a stubborn guy and i think he learned a lot of that from belichick thinking outside the box uh who's willing to change and adapt you know that is something that quite frankly Jeremy hasn't done, and and for the most part, although he's done a great job with his program, is something Kirby has got to figure out to some degree too. Although he's got everything else in terms of a program and how to lead, it's just he's got to grow that offense. But yeah, no, those are big, big factors that I think are important. So yeah, to that game used to be great. We talked about that. It's no longer a rivalry anymore, and it's it's all about Alabama. And now what I'm getting asked is, Neil, everybody wants you freeze. Can we get new? Can we get you freeze? But it's like I get asked that. It's like everybody, you know, it's like it's like he's the the flavor of the month. Auburn mm -hmm. wants him, South Carolina wants it. 
anyway, I don't want to get into that, but I'm, that, that's the thing. We're, we're getting rid of him. And, and you know, Philip Fulmer is going to get rid of him after he just gave him an extension. Okay. Philip, the only way Philip would do that is if he could throw somebody above him under the bus and say, I didn't want to give him the extension. The president did. Philip's been known to stick the knife in the, in the backside. Well, right off. Still, but anyway, there's still five weeks left in the season. You know, the, the, you spiral downward. Things, things get iffy. I mean, uh, just just say Vanderbilt's the only sure thing. I think they'll win more than one, but I can't tell you who win or where or why. Vanderbilt's the only sure thing. In terms of Tennessee wins, yeah. I, yes. I uh, Missouri. Wow. Really impressive performance yet again. Two weeks in a row. They've they Two weeks that they've played, two games in a row, I should say. They have really looked a lot different than they did early. Missouri beats Kentucky 20-10. to 10. Uh, just a, a phenomenal defensive performance by the Tigers. They did enough on offense. I like the young quarterback, uh, Connor Basilak. He was 21 of 30, 201 yards. Roundtree had uh, 37 carries, 126 yards, and a couple of touchdowns for Missouri. He's a good back, Roundtree. You know, if it wasn't for Sam Pittman just kind of getting everybody's attention with the job that they've done, um, Eli and his staff has done a really good job at Mizzou. And I'm going to tell you, this has been the quick turnout. This guy understands offenses, and it's just really intriguing. That was the most surprising game in the SEC this past weekend. Thought Kentucky kind of figured it out, settled in. But again, it just goes to show you, it matters not what you did last week. It's what you're going to do now. It's like, okay, we got blown out last week. We were embarrassed. Okay, then what? Okay. You come back and, you know, you can become a different team and you can play better, play with more focus. You can also be really good. Oh, they got it figured out now. Well, no, you don't have anything figured out. And that is the key, again, to being great is the ability to be able to Focus on the, you know, Nick calls it the process, but we always say to focus on where your feet are and just say, hey, what what do we need to do today in this meeting? You know, that was very un-Kentucky-like and very, very impressive. And Mizzou's not going to be fun to play. And yet, if the perfect example of this is what I'm just saying is, let's remember Tennessee beat this Missouri team. Yeah. Kentucky blew out Tennessee. And I got to tell you, Missouri just manhandled Kentucky more than the score indicated. I mean, that was a that was a throttling. Uh, Kentucky, you get them to play from behind; they're not the same, and they just they seem like they left their game against Tennessee, and they kind of enjoyed that a little bit too much. Yeah, Terry Wilson was four of eleven. Joey hmm. Wood was one for three. The leading rusher was Rodriguez, nine carries, forty-eight yards. Josh Ali had four catches, forty-seven yards. They just didn't do anything offensively mm-hmm. at all and boy i mean they, they don't have a, a they work around the passing game about as good as you can but there are times where it gets exposed you get them to play from behind and they've got to throw they're not a good team at all they're good everywhere else if they can play from a frontal position they cannot play with a pass-first mentality, and if they get behind, they have to, and that's when they get handled. And Missouri won this by being able to get enough of a lead to make Kentucky play from behind and make you, – you now only have to defend one part of the field, and you're defending an area they're not very good at. Kentucky only had the football 16 minutes and 50 seconds. Yep. Boy, 
That'll get you. And because they couldn't stay on the field, and then their defense gets worn out, and now all of a sudden their defense, which is a strength of their team, would always say, "You put them on the field an extra fifteen snaps. Doesn't matter how good they are, they no longer very good. Those extra fifteen snaps." South Carolina comes off its win over Auburn, heads down to LSU, and just gets throttled. The Tigers look great. I mean, I, I was blown away. I mean, I, I thought South Carolina might win. I thought they might win straight up. I, th- I sure thought they'd cover. They they did not even come close to covering. LSU wins 52-24. to 24. TJ Finley uh, makes his first start, 17 of 21, 265 yards, a couple of TDs. Um, man, they were good. LSU – LSU looked like LSU a little bit. All the athletic athleticism all over the field. They were fast. They were everywhere. They looked like they had improved at least a little bit on defense and offensively. They were a juggernaut. South Carolina had no answer for LSU's athletes. Yeah, first of all, South Carolina, again, can get a little too excited, beat a bad Vanderbilt team, beat a struggling Auburn team that was mistake-prone. And so now are they ready to go on the road? And based upon LSU, and let's kind of talk about LSU for a second. What a what a break for them. They were heading in to play a Florida team, which they were not going to match up very well, and that was going to be another quick L. Now they, they get the bye week due to COVID, and who knows what December 12th is going to be like, where Florida is going to be health-wise and whatnot. But LSU is going to be better. And they used the time wisely. Finley did a really nice job. He's a big kid. I thought he did a really good job feathering the ball in. I thought he was was really effective. They got the running game going, and uh, it was a throttling. And so now I think you can get a little on a little bit of a run. LSU goes to Auburn. Those games are always weird. You've covered many of them. They've got yep. weird stuff happens in those games. Um, but this is a great this is a, game. Auburn LSU is a great uniform game. Yeah, it's a um, it, it, it's it's one in which um, to me, I think LSU's kind of found a little bit of a rhythm here. We'll get into that um, uh, again this week. Reminder: We'll be here Thursday this week to break down the game again. We've got a conflict on Friday, but that that to me is, you know, Gus is still not out of the woods, and I I think this you know they've not he's not had success against LSU and. Would not have given much of a chance, but off this past week, I think LSU started to find themselves a little bit. Gave up a lot of yards on defense at LSU, but I thought they played better in the red zone on third down. So they were they were a little bit more effective situationally defensively. So look, I think the the reality is LSU was never as good as some of the people thought they might be, just in Baton Rouge. Thought, oh, we'll just move on. We got the answers. We got it figured out. Well, no, they're not, you know, but probably not as awful, you know, for the people that thought, oh, they're only going to win two games this year. Well, that's not going to happen, but it's it's going to be somewhere in between. But they still got a very difficult schedule. If they're able to get by Auburn, you know, Alabama's not a good situation. A&M is on the road. Um, Arkansas is no piece of cake, as we now know. And Ole Miss um, it, it can score points. We'll see with that. And then they got Florida later. So let's, let's hold on. It's still going to be – not going to be what people expected in Baton Rouge, but it won't be devastating either. All right, we'll take a quick look at week six coming up. But first, I want to tell you this podcast is also brought to you by Jupiter Security Systems. Based in Madison, Mississippi, 
Jupiter Security Systems provides your business with the help desk, allowing you to get software at a much cheaper price than you would pay going directly to Microsoft or the different cybersecurity services. Jupiter Security Systems offers businesses the full Microsoft 365 suite, email spam protection, and they monitor workstations and servers. Jupiter doesn't see your data, by the way, but they'll know if malicious applications get installed on your computers. Jupiter can set up remote monitoring on a computer regardless of the location. So don't spend money on getting your employees' new laptops to work remotely. Let Jupiter monitor their home computers and protect your data wherever you choose to work. Jupiter Security Systems offers cybersecurity and monitoring. It's ADT for your computer systems and data. It's very affordable, flat price, no hidden add-ons. For more info, call Eric, 601-519-9583 or email Info, that's I-N-F-O at jupitersecurity.net. You can also visit jupitersecurity.net. Also brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly. Through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores, Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience. From services to products, Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh, and they always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all. Blue Sky wants to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience, and they'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any of their 48 locations across the Southeast. All right, Chris, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Hey, want to remind everybody and thank you for everybody that's kind of com- uh, talking and communicating with us in the chat room, YouTube, Twitch TV, but Gannicus and uh, Kevin Orlargo, Unrivaled, AC Videos, uh, Philip Shue, uh, great job, guys, with your comments, Ben Leslie, Brooke Jones, and um, you guys are Brian, Brian Sherman, McWordo Show, love that name. Uh, we appreciate your comments, and obviously, if you're not watching, if you listen to this podcast um, uh, later, that's great. You can check us out live on YouTube, on Twitch TV. Go to LandryFootball.com, and uh, uh, certainly you can catch it on Neil's YouTube channel, on Chris Landry Twitch TV. Uh, cheer us on. Check us out. Send your question, comments. We, we love your participation here. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick look. We got about I don't know eleven minutes or so left, so let's take a quick look at your early thoughts on the week six games coming up this week. We've got uh, Georgia headed to Kentucky. That game is a noon Eastern, eleven a.m. Central kickoff. Georgia fourteen and a half point favorite. The game can be seen on the SEC Network. At first blush, Chris, this this does not look like a particularly competitive contest. No, it's not, and you know it's a if there's one thing that may be um, advantage for Kentucky is that Georgia is not a team that's likely to explode upon you, but um, this is, this is a mismatch. Georgia's um, just much more talented, much more physical. And, and uh, that's what made, I think that loss last week to Kentucky, you know, it certainly will get their attention. They'll have a good week. They'll play hard. I think that probably had a lot to do do with it their focus level we don't focus on that enough pardon the pun but yeah big win against Tennessee something you haven't done in a while and then you know you got Georgia and you know that focus there you you want to make a we're, we're and all of a sudden Missouri is just ready to punch you in the mouth but 
I think this Georgia team is uh, – we'll get into a little bit more as to why, but this kind of place to Georgia's they, – they've been working a little bit now. Nothing new, spectacular coming out about the quarterback situation, but Georgia's been working on some issues there. Uh, you mentioned LSU and Auburn. I've covered a lot of these. These are fun games. They're, uh, they're, <laughs> they're fun games. I always enjoy Yeah, them. they are. They are. My favorite games to cover was LSU and Auburn. I love the ones in Baton Rouge. The ones at Auburn were cool, too. Uh, LSU and Auburn, they respect one another. There's not a lot of hate. They got too many other people to hate. They, 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 <laughs> there's not a lot of hate left over in this one, but it's always a pretty good game. 230 CBS. It's a two-point line. LSU favored by two. I, my initial reaction is I like LSU here. I'm going to think more about it as the week goes on, but um, but I kind of think LSU might have too much athleticism for Auburn if they can continue to build on what they did against South Carolina. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I like the improvement of LSU. I'm not crazy about him, but boy, I, I really don't like Auburn. I, I really think Auburn's got a lot of problems. I think that they're, they're going to have a harder time um, in a game like this. I, I just, I, I like LSU's chances. Um, even on the road here. Um, but we're going to get into a little bit more, and I'm going to do a complete film breakdown on it. Um, but I, I do think LSU's got a little bit more. I, I think that defensively, LSU's still got some issues. I just don't know that Auburn's going to be able to exploit it to the degree that they need to. Yeah, Chris, I agree. I think if Auburn's going to do it, this has to be the game that Bo Nick steps up and takes yeah, it. They, He's got to have a big game. Otherwise, I just don't think Auburn can pull this off. Well, and they got they better start playing better at the line of scrimmage, so he's not trying to force things because that's contributing to their issues. That's contributing to his play that's been so bad. I mean, it's – yeah, it's – no, yeah, Bo Nix is regressing. You hear that? Well, why is he regressing? Saying he's regressing is, you know, no big – you know, it's no joke. You know, it's, it's like, he, why is he regressing? Yeah, his well, you look – yeah, his footwork makes it look yeah. like he, 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 he's not confident. Yeah, that he, yeah. so why is his footwork bad? Because uh, he's not comfortable where to go. You know, the route concepts are not really good. The rating of coverage is not really good. The protection's poor. He doesn't trust where the protection is. So he's having a hard time setting the protections. And, you know, what, you know, people focus so much on the football that you can't throw certain routes if the protection doesn't hold up. And so, that is contributing to it. It's not like, oh boy, Bo Nix is playing well and people are playing bad around him. No, he's playing poorly. There's a big part of that. You struggle with that because they're not playing well around him and it's affecting him a great deal. Ole Miss goes to Vanderbilt, three o'clock on SEC Network. The Rebels, an 18 point favorite over, uh, over the Commodores. It'll be their first game in 21 days. Late last week, Chris, there had been some worry that they uh, were going to have another COVID cancellation. It looks like they're going to be able to play, but uh, they'll have their hands full with everybody, Ole Miss included. Yeah, no, I I think this is I think this is a get well game for Ole Miss. I mean this this Vanderbilt team. I'd like to to be real more encouraging about what I see and what's positive, but that's a very very short conversation. In fact, I can't even have one. There's just not much there. Yeah, Ole Miss, Ole Miss takes care of business. We'll get into a little bit of some of the matchups, but I think this is where Ole Miss can start to get their confidence back on offense. And I think defensively try to figure out 
maybe how they can complement. I think that's what's going on with Ole Miss right now, trying to figure out the best way to play complementary ball. And I think it's kind of set back their offense a little bit, offensive rhythm a little bit. And, you know, we can talk about the call or whatnot, but a couple of games that could have gone either way. And I know that's that's a big part of Lane's frustration right now. Mississippi State, they head to uh, Alabama, a 32-point underdog. This game, 6 p.m. on ESPN, the Tide favored by 32. That's a lot of points. Mississippi State's got a good defense, but, boy, offensively they've produced nothing for weeks now, and uh, Alabama can pop you and roll it up fast. Yeah, uh, there's no question. Um, Defending this Alabama offense – is very difficult. Uh, thoughts and prayers out to Jalen Waddle. Understand the surgery went well. Next time we see him catch a ball, it'll be in the NFL. They'll miss him. They'll miss him not so much this week, but you know, going forward, that's a that's a tough blow for him. That young man. I feel that this is this is a lot of weapons. Um, I think they're able to score a great deal, and I, you know, it's. <laughs> I'm just very curious to see, you know, what Mississippi State tries to do on offense. And I think I know, but I'm always kind of amazed. So I, I do think this is, you know, an Alabama um, one-sided affair. How much? You're not quite sure yet. Then the two 6:30 games, you've got uh, Arkansas. They head uh, to Texas A&M. This game is 6.30 Central on SEC Network. The Razorbacks, a 10-and-a-half-point underdog, headed to play the eighth-ranked Aggies. Big big spot for Texas A&M here. They've, we talked about it a little bit last week. They've, they're a candidate, let's put it that way. They're a candidate, if they can run the table, to slip into a playoff. I know that seems outrageous today, but with each successive win that they put on the, on the, on the block, it becomes more of a possibility. This is, this is a game they should handle probably pretty easily. It's Arkansas's first game since uh, the Ole Miss win that they had. So the Hogs probably coming in a little confidence, a little healthier. Interesting spot. This was a really close game a year ago in Dallas. It was the only only close game really Arkansas played in the league last season. So they'll they'll go to A&M with a little confidence and, and play an A&M team that has been playing better and better all year. Yeah, boy, it's it's amazing, you know the the confidence level, some of the fan base. Oh, we're ready, you know. Arkansas, they were like, they're, they're no longer excited and grateful for the season. It's like, yeah, bring them on. We're ready, you know. So this yeah. is, this ranks number one on my looking forward to the game. Really? Year. Yeah, uh, this is this game is the most intriguing this week in in, in the SEC. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm very because I'm curious to see how Arkansas responds and AM responds in this game. Uh, AM's playing better, starting to feel themselves. Um, you can't take this Arkansas team for granted. I don't think they will because you see, if you watch the tape, see how hard they play. But this is quite the challenge. Yet, by the same token, is what are we going to get out of Kellen Mann? Can Arkansas defend, excuse me, yeah, can Arkansas defend the run? Because this is what, um, they like to do. And this is what they absolutely want to do is run the football after you. And so I'm curious to see how Arkansas responds to that. And I don't know that they'll get enough offense. It's good to me. It's an intriguing game and I don't think it's a loss. I mean, I don't expect Arkansas to win, but I think that I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, I think A&M though, it's a really big game, a really big game for them to, Hey, look, you know, to to say, yeah, we're, we're 
we got it going and we're kind of taking charge and we're the second best team in the West and we're going to continue to show it week in and week out. So I, this is going to be a lot of fun. Be a big win for Arkansas now. They win this one and and oh, oh shoot, this would be a big upset. I mean, this yeah. would be really big because if you look at it, I mean, you know what they've done has been impressive. Uh, but you know, in in the Auburn game, we go into that. But but to be honest with you, the best thing they've done is just play well and look good. But they haven't beaten a really good team yet. Yeah. Um, and this would be the first good one. Um, it'd be big, you know, it'd be big. It'd be, and I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think playing well, you know, playing like they did against Georgia was impressive for, for a half. Last one, Missouri, uh, heads to Florida game at seven 30 Eastern six 30 central on the sec network, alternate channel, Mizzou, a, a 13 point dog against the 10th rate Gators. Mizzou playing well, a lot of confidence. I mean, what's, what's Florida. I mean, you know, it's been a tough, tough stretch. Yeah. Um, you know, having to limit what you do and getting back. And I, I think this is, you know, this is, uh, you've got time to prepare. Um, look, we all knew this was going to be a, a possibility this season, maybe even a probability. But, you know, I do think that that Florida among the contending teams or the better teams in the country have been affected the most by COVID, certainly in the league. And, you know, as I said, they were ready to go on and, and take care of business against uh, uh, against um, LSU, and, and that game got canceled. So it's going to be difficult. I, 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 I'm curious to see how they respond after the layoff and how Missouri builds on that win from last week, good win last week. We'll break those six games down in a lot more depth on uh, Thursday, and uh, we'll also maybe take a look around the country a little bit. Big Ten was able to play a whole week. Nobody died, so uh, who knows? Pac-12 <laughs> getting ready to get started. They just needed an election to come and go, Chris. Now it is. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank God that's almost over. <laughs> no I doubt. voted yesterday. I went into early voting. I was late getting the film work done because I went in and got the voting done. So. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, accounted for there. Good for you. All right. That's, uh, that's Chris Landry. I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this episode of SEC Football and Beyond. We'll be back again later this week. Get you uh, finally tuned up, finally tuned up, I should say, for um, week six in the Southeastern Conference. Until then, take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.